one of the phrases that uh, people have used with me before, and I say people, I really mean my wife, is this is not helping. Um, and so there are things that we do that don't really help a situation. They don't make things better. And uh, over the last year, I think there's a lot of things that we've done, a lot of things that we've tried, a lot of things that we've made a part of our lives that have, that have not helped the situation. And I made a little bit of a list to start us off in a fun place. These are my top 10 things that we did last year that really didn't help. And one of those was my clicker not working. So uh, if, if you remember David Letterman, this is my best imitation of him. Uh, one of them was panic spending. So uh, does anybody still have any of their TP left from last year? You know, man, you definitely overbought if you still have some of that left. Uh, number nine would be watching too much news. Uh, there, there is a direct relationship to how anxious and fearful you are and how much news you watch. And a lot of us watched too much news last year. Uh, number eight would be disconnecting from work. You know, when your commute goes from miles to minutes to seconds from across town to across the room, it's really hard to disconnect from that work. And so for many of us, we didn't disconnect well last year. Uh, number seven, a lot of us wore masks, but we never washed them or threw them away. And just so you know, if you never wash it or throw it away, it, it's gross for you and not helpful to anybody else. Uh, number six, a lot of us made the mistake of going down and reading the comments. Like if you want to see the worst of humanity, open any news article on any website and read the comments. Like it's, it's the worst. I was reading an article last year. My wife was looking over my shoulder and she saw me going for the comments. She's like, no, stop, Scott, don't do it. Uh, number five, a, a lot of us did too much scrolling time, too much screen time. I'm not sure if you know this, but if you have an iPhone and you're in this nine o'clock service, every Sunday morning, there's a spiritual reminder that happens. While you're here, typically during the first second song, my phone goes off and it tells me how many hours I was on my phone last week. So it's like, it's like Jesus is speaking to me during the service through Apple, like, Scott, you need to be on your phone less. Uh, number four, a lot of us ordered too many packages from Amazon.com. And I'm not sure how many packages is too much to arrive every day, um, but I got to know my mail person so much better last year. Uh, number three, a lot of us got overly attached to checking Zillow every single day or every single hour. Uh, and just so you know, by the time you see it on Zillow, it's probably already sold, so don't worry about about checking it. Uh, number two, a, a lot of us got in fights with people that we dearly love on Facebook over things that weren't really that important. And we watched friendships decay and break down over, over fights. And then number one, a lot of us binge watched TV shows. We watched more TV than ever before. And I think this is maybe the one that I want to say, there's not necessarily something totally bad about it. Uh, because while the pandemic was going on, like my, our family discovered uh, one of our favorite TV shows, and it's the TV show The Mandalorian. It is uh, the newest uh, Star Wars show, and we're a Star Wars family, and so we were super excited to watch this show. And so we watched the first season right before the pandemic started. We rewatched it before the second season came during the pandemic, and so our family just loves. We love the light, too. Um, and so we love, love The Mandalorian. And so the, the, the show, if you haven't seen it, is built around this character who wears uh, a Mandalorian suit of armor. 
And throughout the show, you get to know him kind of over time, and he has these little mantras and phrases that are part of the Mandalorian way, these people that are united by a, a common creed and way of life. And one of their phrases that they use when they, they make a decision or they do something and people don't understand is they say, this is the way. So this morning, we're going to practice a little bit of the Mandalorian together. I want us to say this all together. One, two, three. This is the way. Okay, now you weren't really ready for that, so I'm going to do one more time so we can really get into it because we're going to be in this series for four weeks and you're going to hear this phrase a lot. So let's try it. One, two, three. This is the way. So you might think, Scott, why are we talking about your Star Wars love? We're here at church. Well, you need to know that like Star Wars borrowed from the Bible because I was reading through the Bible last year and I was in Isaiah and this is what I found in Isaiah 30. The prophet says, and whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear this command behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. So I just want you to know that like this is the way is, is biblical. It's right there in Isaiah chapter 30. But not just that phrase. I knew that the, the, the early disciples had been described with this phrase too. So in Acts chapter 9, if you know your Bible, you know that's the, the story of, of Saul's conversion. It says, now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, which is what they called the people who were following Jesus, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So what we're going to do over the next four weeks is we're not going to just inundate you with Star Wars trivia. You can get that somewhere else. But we're going to walk through a series that we're calling This is the Way, and we're going to talk about the way of Jesus. What was this way that his disciples followed in? What, what was unique and different about the way that he laid forth for his disciples to live in? And, and when, when, when you were a rabbi or a teacher like Jesus was, you had a way, and your disciples were called to follow you in that way. And so if Jesus was here with us today and said, hey, this is the way I want you to live— what would that look like? And we're not going to be able to exhaust all of that in four weeks, but over the next four Sundays, we're going to look at four different components or pieces of the way of Jesus. And if you've been with us for a while, you know, this is, we've been in the Old Testament for a long time. We did five weeks on Nehemiah and then 12 weeks in the Minor Prophets. So we're literally turning the page from Malachi to the New Testament. And today we're going to be in the book of John chapter 15. So if you have a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to open up to John chapter 15. It's about 80 or 90% of the way through the Bible. And John is one of the four accounts of the life and teaching of Jesus, almost like a biography of Jesus as an eyewitness to these events. Now, some of you, as you're turning to John 15, you're going to see a heading here or maybe remember a, a previous message that you've heard about this. And there may be a temptation within you to do an inner eye roll, to, to go, man, I've heard this before. I know this passage. I, I've listened to a message about this before. And, and if that's true for you, I, I want you to know you're not the only one. There are times where I hear somebody preach a message and I go, oh, you know, I've heard this before. And the temptation is when you've heard it before to think that you know it. To go, oh, I've heard this before. I don't need this. But I, I just want to encourage you that the goal of today is not for me to help you know some things. Or just to put some knowledge or information in your brain to file away for future reference. No, the goal isn't to give you the right answers. The goal is to help you live them. 
When I was in college, my mentor, Dr. Maxie Birch, told me, he said, Scott, it's one thing to know the right answers. It's another thing to live them. It's a big difference between knowing the right answers and actually living them. And today, I'm not really that concerned if you know what Jesus says in John 15. What I'm concerned about is, can you live it? Do you know how? And are you going to? So today, as we read from John 15, I want to invite you to stand, and we're going to follow along together. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have these verses on the screen. This is Jesus speaking here, beginning in John 15:1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so that it will produce fruit more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Heavenly Father, I pray that our hearts would be open to you And like the soil that a a vine grows in, I pray that we would be ready to receive the word you have for us. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Now, I said that the series is entitled, This is the Way. And so each week we're going to look at a way Uh, in each message. And the first way we're going to look at in this message is the way of abiding. Chris, I'm going to need your help this morning. My clickers decided not to show up. So the way of abiding, and they say, Scott, what does abiding mean? Well, the, the word in the Greek that's in your Bible translated into English, that Greek word that is translated into English is the word meno, which has a range of meanings. It can mean abide, remain, stay, dwell, tarry, be present, be in union with, make your home with. The idea is of an abiding, uh, enduring presence. If someone is abiding with you, they're not running away right away, and they're not disconnected. No, there is a strong sense of connection. And what we're going to look at today in John 15 is Jesus showing us how we can abide and walk in the way of abiding with him, how we can remain with him because that's the only way that we're going to bear fruit. And so as I was looking through this passage, I felt like uh, I wanted to use a, a phrase that one of my friends had used. And so our big idea today is this, that the main thing is the remain thing. The main thing that Jesus wants us to do as his followers before we do anything else is this remain thing. I, I, I made this really simple, kind of cheesy, because I'm hoping that it'll stick in your mind. The main thing is the remain thing. I said I, I stole this 
couple years ago, I heard my friend Steve Carter say, it's hard to keep the remain thing the main thing. And, and isn't that true? That it's hard to remain in Jesus. It's hard to remain connected to Jesus. It's hard to remain rooted in Jesus. And, and, and this wouldn't be worth talking about if it was something that we could all do well. It wouldn't be worth talking about if it was something that we had all mastered. We wouldn't be here talking about it today if we had this all figured out. And so I just want to tell you today, I may be the one up here teaching, but I'm not somebody who's mastered this. For me, this is hard. It's difficult. And I'm still figuring this out. But I've, I've got some experience failing at this. So I think I have some ideas about why this is so hard. And, and here's the first reason. This is hard because we wrongly think we can produce fruit on our own. It's hard for us to keep the remain thing, the main thing, because along the way we get the idea, well, I can just produce fruit, I can be fruitful, I can be successful in my own power and strength. I, I got this. I can do this. I can handle this. I'm competent. I'm capable. I, I can do this in my own power and strength. And all the way going back into the Old Testament, we see the people of God couldn't do this remain thing. In Psalm 80, verse 14, we read, Return, God of armies. Look down from heaven and see. Take care of this vine, the psalmist writes. The root your right hand has planted, the sun you made strong for yourself, it was cut down and burned. They perish at the rebuke of your continence. This idea of a vine was used all the way back in the Old Testament. And back then, they even saw their inability to remain. And we see again and again how the people of God in the Old Testament tried to follow God's ways without God. They tried to be the people God created them to be on their own, in their own power and strength. And this is where the words of Jesus enter in in John 15, 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. So, so the, the vine is the source of life that comes out of the ground that, that leads into the branches, that leads into the fruit. And Jesus says, I am the source of that. I'm the one who gives you the branch life. I'm the one who is the source of what leads to fruitfulness. And the truth is, many of us, we open our Bibles, we, we pray, we come to church, and then we try to do everything we hear and read in our own power and strength. We forget that Jesus is the vine. And we lose sight of the fact that we'll never be fruitful. We'll never be successful. We'll never be able to make it on our own. If you've ever um, known anybody that had a tree that, that actually had fruit, you know that, that good trees produce good fruit. And bad trees produce bad fruit. The, the nature of the tree determines the quality of its fruit. And when you have a healthy tree, you can have healthy fruit. But when you have an unhealthy tree, you, you get unhealthy fruit. In the same way, if you have an apple tree, you're going to get apples. If you have an orange tree, you're going to get oranges. If you have a, a lemon tree, you're going to get lemons. And if you have an ornamental tree, you're going to get frustration. Because it looks good, but it doesn't taste good. And, and if we try to follow Jesus in our own power and strength, we're going to get fruit that is human, not divine. If we try to follow Jesus in our own power and strength, the fruit is going to be the, the stuff that we're capable of doing. 
but not the stuff that God's capable of doing because we're doing it without him. So, so Scott, why is the remain thing so hard? Well, because we mistakenly think we can produce fruit on our own. The second reason is that we try anyway. Some of us know in our head, yeah, I can't do this on my own. <laughs> but then we try anyway. We know, okay, I need, I need Jesus in me to be able to do the things he's called me to do. But then we find ourselves again and again, and I say we, I'm including myself in this. We try to do it in our own power and strength anyway. And Jesus speaks to this in John 15. He says, remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you produce fruit unless you remain in me. And you can try. I mean, give it this week. Give it this fall. Give it the rest of this year. Try to produce the fruit that God wants you to produce on your own. And when you get the, the outcome of that, come back and talk to me. Because what you're going to find is that you can't produce the fruit that God created you to produce if you do it on your own. And when you face that reality, and I'm saying this, you know, kind of prophetically, because I've been there myself, the temptation is going to be for you to fake it. To, to give a visual to the world of fake fruit. I'm going to ask my friend, Pastor Josh, to come up here for a second. So, uh, so Josh has some fruit with him today. I'm going to share my light. You, Josh is going to be a tree for us today. You can come in a little further on the light, Josh. You know, and uh, if you're way in the back, or maybe if you're watching online, and your connection's not great, you might be able to see that, like, if Josh is a tree, he's got some fruit. I mean, he looks good from a distance. He looked good up close, too, but, like, your fruit looks good from a distance. There's just one problem. Like, it's not actual fruit on the vine. It's, like, taped there. And how many times have you had this kind of experience? Where you see who somebody is from afar, and they look really good, but then you get up close to them and you're like, ooh. Man, I, I admired you from a distance, but now at close, I have no respect for you. Man, you put on a great show when you were far away, but now that I'm in your life, I'm not sure I want to be your friend. I'm not sure I want to spend time with you because they were faking it. I won't make you stay up here all, all morning, but thanks for the help. I appreciate it. <laughs> and, and I know it's a silly illustration, but th that's the temptation you're going to face. When you realize that you can't produce the fruit that God wants to produce in you when you do it on your own, your temptation is going to be to fake it. And I want to speak to some of you today who are feeling burdened and heavy laden that trying to follow Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to crush you. If you read this book and what Jesus has called you to do is part of his way and you try to do it without the power that Jesus left for you, it's going to be a crushing weight on you. 
Because we were never designed to walk in the way of Jesus without the power of Jesus. And the words of Jesus will not be a, uh, a balm. They won't be good news. They won't encourage you. They won't lift you up if you try to produce fruit like Josh just did on your own. And that's where sometimes I think we, we have a sense of where we actually are by how we react to the words of Jesus. If the words of Jesus are a burden to you, it is possible that you have been trying to follow him without his spirit. Because if you heard them as good news and encouragement, that might be an indication that you know you won't be able to do these on your own. The fruit of the Spirit is really clear. In Galatians 5, Paul lists it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And I've memorized that list, but I have not mastered that list. Some of you have memorized the fruits of the Spirit, but you haven't mastered the fruits of the Spirit. You know them, but the people around you don't always experience them. And you will never bear real, genuine fruit as a follower of Jesus unless you remain in Him. See, the problem is many people are getting our fruit. They're just not getting this fruit. They're not getting love, they're getting anger. They're not getting joy. They're getting exhaustion and frustration. They're not getting peace and patience. They're getting fighting, acrimony, impatience, and anger. Because they're getting the fruit of us. The fruit of our flesh. Not the fruit of the Spirit. And guys, it's hard to keep the remain thing the main thing. But it is the main thing. Without remaining in Jesus, we will produce nothing that lasts. Because a hundred years from now, if there is a cornerstone, it's going to be filled with all new people. And the only legacy we'll leave behind is the fruit that Jesus bore in us as we remain in him. So with the time I have left, I want to talk to you about how do you walk in the way of abiding? How do you do this? And I've got three thoughts for you. The first one is this. You put your focus on Jesus. You might say, Scott, of course you would say that. You're a pastor. No, I, I'm, I'm not just speaking cliche or pastorally. I'm speaking brutally honest. Our temptation, every single one of us, is to put the focus on ourselves. We live in an incredibly narcissistic, self-indulgent, self-focused age. And while we may see some new manifestations of that, that has been the human condition from the very beginning. It takes intentional effort to take the focus off of ourselves and put it on a Jesus. And we face this temptation, not just out there, but in here. In 2 Corinthians 4, the Apostle Paul says, For we are not proclaiming ourselves. But Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. I'm not here saying be like Scott. I'm here saying be like Jesus. I'm not saying, hey, remain in my teaching and don't miss a Sunday. Take a note on every word. No, 
I'm saying put your focus on Jesus, remain in Jesus. And if I can be a help to that end, awesome. But I'm not going to give you my strength so you can bear spiritual fruit. I'm not saying put your focus on me and then you'll be more loving, joyful, patient, and peaceful. I'm saying put your focus on Jesus and remain in Jesus and then the fruit will come. And Hebrews 2, the writer of Hebrews says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus started this thing. He's going to finish this thing, and our eyes should be on him. And our eyes should be on him because there are going to be times in our lives where we don't feel fruitful. We don't feel successful. We don't feel like anything good is coming out of us. In fact, we feel the opposite of that. We feel like a failure. We feel like we're losing. And that's why our focus goes on Jesus. Because his ultimate end looked like the opposite of fruitfulness. I mean, he hung on that cross and that looked the opposite of fruitfulness. It looked like death, defeat, and loss. And yet his faithfulness transformed that loss into the greatest victory. So there are places where you are living right now and you don't feel fruitful, you don't feel successful, you feel like a failure. Keep your eyes on Jesus because in Jesus, what you view as failure may actually be success. What you view as loss may be the seed of victory. What you view as defeat may actually be a breakthrough. And I would encourage you that the temptation is in the American church today to put the focus on guys like me. And I will disappoint you. I'm not going to die on a cross for you. I'm not going to save you. I'm not going to be there in the middle of the night when there's no one else to turn to. And I am not enough to give you what you need to bear fruit. Don't remain in me. Remain in him. Put your focus on him. And allow him to bear fruit in you. That's the first one. Put your focus on Jesus. Here's the second one. Practice the remain thing in Jesus. You know, there's these two vocations in our world where we talk about them as practices. Doctors and lawyers. We say, hey, there's a medical practice or a law practice. And in each of these practices, there's a tremendous amount of education, often a tremendous amount of debt, and a long season of training that happens. And there's an ongoing education that you must have to maintain your license to do that thing. And then we talk about practicing law and practicing medicine. I think those are important concepts because those people have to constantly be learning, constantly be growing, constantly getting better. And the same thing is true for us. None of us have mastered the, the way of remaining in Jesus. We have to practice it. And remaining is a discipline that none of us are ever going to master. I don't know how old you are today, but you haven't mastered remaining in Jesus. And this side of heaven, you won't master it. If you think you've mastered it, you've not mastered it. Think you have it all figured out, 
You've got blind spots. And the truth is that it's okay to be an apprentice. It's okay to be a person who's practicing. It's okay not to be a master. But it's not okay to stop practicing doing it. Because when we stop practicing the remain thing in Jesus, we default back to remaining in ourselves, living out of our flesh, and trying to follow Jesus in our own power and in our own strength. And this is why, for me, years ago, I I memorized John 15, 5, because I'm an apprentice at this. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And let me just tell you that I'm preaching this message today and Jesus, long before you heard it, was using it to do some work on my heart and my soul. Because over the last 18 months, There have been some moments where I've had to face the reality that I have been living, leading, and loving people, not remaining in him, but in my own power and strength. I've been overwhelmed in times, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. I picked this photo. I kind of envy the guy's man bun. I've never been able to grow long hair, but I kind of envy that. You know, but I, that's, this is the emotion that I felt on so many occasions in this last year of God, what do I do? How do I lead? How do I follow you right now? How do I love my family right now? And on so many occasions, what I've had to face is that I've been doing those things with one essential thing missing. Remaining in Jesus. Oh, maybe that's why what you gave me as a gift is now a burden. Maybe that's why I feel so exhausted. Maybe that's why I feel despair. Because I've been trying to do it in my own power and strength. I've been remaining in myself. I haven't been remaining in you. And I just want to encourage you. This is why I said at the beginning, I don't really care if you can recite to me John 15, 1 through 8. What I care about is, are you keeping the remain thing the main thing? Are you remaining connected to the vine so that what comes out of you is not just your flesh, it's the fruit of the Spirit? And the way that we're going to walk in the way of abiding is practicing remaining in Jesus remaining connected to him and aware of him and reminding ourselves that I can't do this on my own. Jesus, I need you. 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 The the third thing that's a piece of the way of abiding is participate in the pruning with Jesus. Participate in the pruning with Jesus. You know, to, to kind of wrap up this metaphor of the vine and the branches, Jesus talks about pruning. And he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. So before I left home today, I stole my wife's kitchen shears. Or not kitchen shears. These would be really large kitchen shears. Gardening shears. Gardening shears. 
She doesn't typically use these in the kitchen or really the garden, but occasionally she does. And when she pulls them out, I get scared. Um, You know, the image that Jesus has here is of uh, a gardener. And if you've ever gardened before or you've watched somebody garden, you know that just allowing growth, unrestrained growth, is not actually good. Sometimes growth will get in the way of real fruit. And so in this passage, Jesus says that the, the, the Father, God the Father, is, is the gardener or the vine dresser. And he prunes. He cuts things off. And in the text tells us the things that he prunes. He prunes two things. He prunes all that is dead, and he prunes all that is distracting. Over time, there are things that once were vibrant and full of life that are now dead. And the father comes and he, he chops those things off because they can pull down with weight and destroy the, the fruitfulness or the vibrancy or the thriving of that vine. He also comes in and he, he chops the things that are distracting. Good fruit, good growth, but good growth sometimes can be the enemy. Sometimes things that are good are actually distractions from what's most important. And I will tell you that that I don't listen to a vine when it's getting pruned. I don't listen to a a rose bush when it's getting pruned. I just know from personal experience that when this comes your way, it's painful. Can we be honest in church this morning? Pruning is painful. One thing that you used to love, that was full of life, that you're still attached to, God comes in and chops it off. You may know that it's no longer full of life, but you still love it. Maybe there's something over here that's good, and you're attached to it. And God comes in and, God, what are you doing? That's good. Why would you allow that good thing to go? Why would you allow that good thing to die? Because he knows what really is going to be most important. And he knows that even the good growth can get in the way of the vibrancy in the future. One of the things I've noticed over the last year or so is that a lot of us are in more pain than we realize. You know, when you see people who are reasonable, normal people screaming and making threats against people they don't know. It's not that those people are just incredibly violent people. They're just angry, in pain, and grieving people who don't know what to do with that stuff, and so they're unleashing it on a person. And there are some things that I think God is leveraging what has happened to do in our lives And the challenge is, can we endure the pain? This has been a really painful season. And I feel like God's doing some pruning in our lives for our own good. And the thing that I've been having to face in my own life is, Scott, how much pain can you handle? How much pain can you endure? 
I read a book before I started at Cornerstone called Leadership Pain. And in that book, the author Samuel Chan says, growth equals change, change equals loss, loss equals pain, so inevitably growth equals pain. What Dr. Chan says is your capacity to grow as a follower of Jesus is connected to your capacity to endure pain. lovely conclusion for Dr. Shan to draw. Kind of sucks, if you're honest. God, I don't want to go through pain. I don't want to go through loss. I don't like change. But if you want to grow, that's the path. It's pruning. And if we're going to be fruitful, then we have to remain in him even when he's doing some painful work around us and in us. At the end of the day, the main thing, it's the remain thing. I'm going to talk to you about a couple of next steps before we conclude today. Here's the first one. I want to encourage you to reject an arrival mindset and embrace an apprentice one instead. None of us will ever arrive. None of us will make it spiritually. And if you think you're there and you've arrived as a follower of Jesus, that you figured it out and you mastered all of it, it's time for you to take some remedial courses. It's time for you to re-embrace the fact that Jesus is the master, we're all the apprentices, (laughs) and this side of heaven, we're never going to be masters. So I may be standing on a raised platform today, but we are all on level ground. None of us have arrived. All of us are apprentices. Number two, I want to encourage you to identify the places where you've been following Jesus in a self-dependent way. And I want to invite you to humbly repent of that. Again, you can't depend on yourself and become like Jesus. The path and the way of Jesus is the way away from self-dependence and the way into abiding. Abiding and remaining in him, not depending and relying on yourself. And where you discover those places in your lives, it's like last week. It's repentance. It's, oh man, I'm aware of that. Oh, I acknowledge that. Oh, I turn from that. And then I move in a new direction. And then finally three, I want to encourage you this week to set aside some time to describe and brainstorm for yourself what it looks, not one, one look, not two looks, what it looks like for you to actively depend on and remain in Christ. For you, that, that may mean like there's a long time in the morning where you spend with a Bible open and in prayer. That also might mean for you that, that you set an alarm on your watch or your phone to go off every hour in your day. Because that's as long as you can go with remaining in Him before you need a reminder. Maybe you need a reminder every 30 minutes. Don't feel bad about that. Feel good that you're aware of what you need to remind you to remain because the main thing isn't getting your to-do list done. It isn't being engaged on social media. It isn't making it, climbing the ladder. It's remaining. So whatever you need to help you actively depend on him, I encourage you to spend time this week going, what would it take for me to actively depend on on Jesus and remain in him and then make that list 
and then begin practicing those things. The main thing is what? The remain thing. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for the reminder you give us from John 15. That we can't follow you and walk in your way in our own power and strength. We can't do the things you've called us to do on our own. And Jesus, I'll stand here and be the first to confess that on so many occasions in the last year and a half, I've tried to do the right thing without the remain thing. I've tried to take your words and put them into practice without practicing remaining in you. And Jesus, you've met me in that frustration and fatigue that comes from that. You've met me as I held the fruit of my own flesh. And your love and your grace and your mercy was there even though I didn't deserve it. So I pray for my friends this morning that are living through a really challenging time, an unexpected season. And I pray that they would see the way forward remaining and abiding in you. Jesus, help us this week to not just know in our heads that we need you. Help us to live from that place of need. And may that drive us to remain in you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.